Alright, Psalms chapter 17, verse 15. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I will be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. You know, it is an amazing thing to think, and it's something I don't think we can fully comprehend, that someday that we are going to be like Christ. there's, there's coming a day. The Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. And a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. There's going to come a day where God, if we're alive at His coming, then we're going to be raptured. And that, when that rapture takes place, I mean, it's an instantaneous thing that happens where, boom, just like that, where this mortal is going to put on immortality, where we are going to be changed and be like Christ. This body that we have someday is going to be like Christ. Someday is going to be perfect. It's going to be without sin. All the temptations and things and the problems that you have now someday, they're going to be gone. They're going to go away. It's a mystery. I can't explain everything about it. I don't know exactly how it all works. The Bible shows us some things. But there's coming a day where that's going to happen. Those who have already died and whose bodies are buried in the ground, we believe when the rapture comes, God is going to resurrect those bodies. And they are going to, when they're resurrected, they're going to be changed. And they're going to be perfect. I personally believe that when we go to heaven, you know, people think, well, you know, are we going to recognize each other in heaven. Because if uh, our bodies are you know, perfect, obviously we're going to look quite a bit different. We're gonna, uh, there's going uh, to be some changes. You know, I believe, but I, I believe that we're going to be able to recognize each other. But when we see each other, we're going to see each other problem, the way that we would have looked if we had never sinned. As if there was no sin. But at the same time, you know, I, I think we'll be able to tell uh, who everybody is, you know that, uh, you know me. I, I'll have a full head of hair, you know the bald the bald spots will be. I believe they'll be gone. Um, I haven't said anything about this because I didn't really. I was kind of wanting to see how long people notice, but uh, I just chipped my front tooth a little bit. And I've got a little hole there. And my wife keeps telling me I look like a hillbilly, and uh, you know, I'm not real excited about that. And I. Uh, Definitely don't want to go and pay to get it fixed. Uh, I think I'd rather look like a hillbilly than spend all the money <laughs> that it would cost. But you know what? That's going to, that, that's going to be gone. It'll be fixed. Uh, we'll be perfect. We're going to be we're going to be like Christ. We're going to be like Him. It's an amazing thing. And if, if you're saved today, that is going to happen to you. We believe that that's going to happen. But in the meantime, of course, we're not that way now. But anybody who has that hope, the Bible says. Purifieth himself. We're trying. We're, we want to be like Christ. We ought to be striving for that. You know, uh, we ought to have the attitude that hey, I'm gonna someday. I'm gonna be like Christ. So in the meantime, I need to be trying to grow as a Christian. I need to be trying to get better and become more like Him. But on today, most people, I believe, when it comes to this, when it comes to certain areas, especially this one, they're way too easily satisfied. You know, we live in a 
uh, country today and in a culture where people almost nothing satisfies people. People can't have they can't get enough money. They can't get a big enough, nice enough house. They can't have nice enough cars. People are rarely satisfied with possessions and with what they have. But when it comes to some of these things that we're talking about, very easily satisfied. And the psalmist here says, "I shall be satisfied." when I awake with thy likeness. In other words, what he's saying is I'm not going I'm not going to stop trying to be like you. I'm going to do my best and when I get to that point where I'm just like you, that's when my job's done. And that's the truth for all of us. Our work on being godly and growing spiritually, it does not end ever end on this earth. It ought to be something that we're always trying to do. We're always trying to get a little better. That ought to be our attitude. And like I said, when it comes to things of the world, we're never satisfied. But when it comes to spiritual things, we are so easily satisfied these days. And some areas that we will look at real quick where I think we're way too easily satisfied is one is in our spirituality. Revelation 3.17 talking about the Laodicean church. And I believe we are in that Laodicean age in churches today, where we are spiritually, we're lukewarm, we're comfortable where we're at, we're, we're satisfied with where we're at. In Revelation 3.17 it says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's how they were spiritually. They were in a bad state. But because they had the material things they need, because they had all the food that they needed, they weren't hungry. Because they had the clothes, they had you know the things that they needed to make them happy. You know they had they all had you know big screen TVs in their house. You know they all had uh, you know two cars. They had all these you know things that I, I know they didn't have those back then. But spiritually speaking, they had all those things, and but spiritually they were in bad shape. They weren't doing good at all. Yet this church, this group. They were fine with that. Hey, we're okay. We're comfortable. We're fine with where we're at. And people today, they're not real interested in being spiritual people. They're satisfied with their prayer life. I I pray when I go to church. Uh, I read my Bible when the pastor says, you know, open up to this passage and I follow along. And that's pretty much all they do. And they're okay with that. They're fine. You know, as as Christians, I mean, there ought to be something inside of us that's causing us to or to have a desire to want to be more like Christ. I mean, where we uh, we ought to have that desire. It's like you know that you know, Lord, you know, teach me something from Your Word. Lord, help me to be a better Christian. Lord, help me to have a better prayer life. And we ought to always be trying, trying to do more and more in those areas. But we get way too we're way too easily satisfied. The fact that for many people, the fact that they're saved. Hey, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. That's enough. I'm not going to be one of these religious fanatics. And uh, you know, I, you know what they're basically saying? I'm satisfied with where I'm at now. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. That's a terrible attitude to have as a Christian. When it should not be satisfied that easy when it comes to your spirituality. You ought to never be satisfied in this area until you're like Christ. It ought to be something we're constantly. Working for. If you are not working on on that area, then 
You're not, not only are you not right with God, but you're, you're going to backslide. Backsliding, it's a natural thing, just like gravity. Just like if I was to take something and I throw it up, it's going to come back, it's going to come back down. There's, an act, we have, there's a natural pulling away from God that goes on. And for us to be getting closer to God, we have to be making effort. And if we're not making any effort, we're getting away from God. You can, you can mark it down. You're getting away from God. Not only are we easily satisfied with our spirituality, we're way too easily satisfied with our soul winning. 1 Corinthians 9.25 And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Our soul winning... We are, there are rewards for helping bring people to Christ. They... Uh, Paul said, "Ye are our crown of rejoicing." The people that we lead to, that we lead to Christ, those I mean, that's something that we ought to always be striving for. Every one of us as a Christian, we ought to have a desire to take somebody to heaven with us. And people these days are very easily satisfied in these areas. And the truth is, you know when we should be satisfied with our soul winning efforts. When everybody in the world is saved, when everybody in the world, that's when we, that's when we can be satisfied. That's when we say, you know what? Let's go ahead and back off. Everybody's saved. But that day's just like none of us are going to be like Christ here on this earth. That day's never going to come where everybody is saved. Not until you know Jesus comes and rules and reigns in this earth, and uh, you know even then there's going to be some people that rebel. Uh, we read about in Revelation, but we're too easily satisfied. Some people today they're satisfied just by if they reach their family. And let me tell you, that is a great goal. That is, uh, I hope that's the desire of every mother and father to see all of their kids get saved. We definitely need that. In Christianity today, if we just got all of our children saved, we would be growing. But the truth is, that's not happening in every home. Not everybody's getting saved. That's why so many are leaving and getting out of church as soon as they're old enough to do that. They never really, they were never truly saved. They're not just backsliding. They never got saved, and they're not going to train their children. But that's a great goal to have. That hey, I want to see all my kids get saved. But then don't be satisfied with that if all your kids get saved. Say, so you know what? I want to see all my grandkids get saved. And don't be satisfied with that. Say, so, hey, you know what? I'm going to go back a little bit. I want to make sure my parents are saved. I want to make sure my aunts and uncles. I want to make sure my cousins are saved. And don't be just satisfied with that if all your family is saved. Say, you know what? I'd like to see my friends get saved. Start thinking about some of your coworkers. You know, I'd like for some of my coworkers to get saved. You know what? I got I got some neighbors around me. I'd like to see some of them get saved. And obviously, not everybody we witness to is going to get saved. But that ought to be the goal. That ought to be the goal to, for everybody that we know to get saved and say, you know what, hey, I'm gonna, I, I can't make these people get saved, but you know what I can do? I can at least give the gospel to all of them. I'm going to make sure I give the gospel to every one of my family members. You know, I'm going to make sure I give the gospel to every one of my neighbors. I want to invite all of my neighbors to church. I want to do that. Have those kind of goals. And then you know what? If you accomplish that, say, you know what, I'd like to start seeing some people saved in other countries. Maybe try to go on a mission trip or start giving money to missions so you can have part in the rewards and then the salvations that these missionaries do. We're just always wanting to expand. We ought to do that as a church. Of course, we give the Gospel here. 
in the services, and there's uh, you know we have we have uh, some of the different programs. You know, we have King's Kids, and we've been doing nursing homes. And there's different things we're doing, but I hope as time goes on, and as as the years go on in this church, that we start doing more and more to reach more people. We've got a couple missionaries that we're supporting now. We do our missionary of the month thing, just trying to be a blessing, trying to be a help, and and we shouldn't we should never be satisfied with those things. As a church, we ought to always be wanting to do more. If we could get I mean it ought to be a goal to see the entire town of Rock Falls get saved. And then after that, Sterling and, and the surrounding towns. I mean, that ought to be that ought to be the goal. But many churches today they're satisfied with just having a full house. It's like, hey, our pews are full, our offerings are good. You know, what's we're fine. We shouldn't have that attitude. We've been given a great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We ought to do everything we can. We ought to be thinking of new ways or new things that we can do to get the gospel out. But we're way too easily satisfied. Another area where we get easily satisfied is in our skills. In our skills. Psalms 33.3 says, Sing unto Him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, And Shania was chief of the Levites. was for song. He instructed about the song because he was skillful. Daniel chapter 1, verse 4 talks about children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Throughout the Bible, we see people who were skilled in different areas, and they used those skills for God. I mean, they were they were real good at it. And listen, say, well, maybe I'm not real good at this. I don't have a lot of skill in this area. I'm here to tell you, if you use that skill that you have, the Lord may increase it. I believe He will increase it. And the truth is, the Lord, all He wants you to do is be, to be faithful with what you have. And if you use it and you try and you're just trying to do better, you're going to do better. I remember to this day I still regret it. When I was a kid, I started taking guitar lessons at nine, and I I took guitar lessons for only a little over a year, I think. And I flew through all the lesson books. I mean, I was I was moving fast. And I remember so I was about ten or eleven years old, and my guitar teacher one day after my lesson, I'd finished the. I was going into the fourth level book, and she went to my she went to my dad after the lesson. She said, "Listen, she's like, I'm just going to be honest with you." She said, "I don't." She said, "I've never had a student get this far. I don't think I I don't really feel comfortable teaching him the next level." She said, and she she had recommended this other guitar teacher that was more skilled than her. And so, as a 10, 11 year old kid, I thought. Man, I'm already better than my guitar teacher. Why do I even need to keep taking lessons? I went and took lessons from that other lady for a little while. I didn't like her. She, you know, she smelled like smoke all the time. And she was mean, and and so I just I, I quit taking lessons there. And I thought I didn't need them. I am, you know, I didn't know any other 10, 11 year old kid that was as good as I was on guitar, and I. I stopped taking lessons. I kept practicing. I kept playing, but I never, I never got any better at it. And the truth is, to this day, I'm, you know, I'm still just as good as I was when I was 11 years old. And, but I thought I was 
about as good as you can get. And I remember when I started getting older and I started meeting other people and seeing more, there's, I found out there's a whole lot of people that are better than me at this. And the truth is, I could have gotten a whole lot better than but I thought I was satisfied with where I was at. Looking back, I wish I wouldn't have been. I wish I, I wish that would have motivated me to keep going and keep doing more. But I got satisfied and I never got any better. And that's what happens to a lot of people. They get to a certain level, uh, maybe in, in, a, in a skill area or even spiritually, and they think I'm good enough. They get satisfied and then they never progress. They never get any further. And we ought to want to be good at what we do for the cause of Christ. We ought to do our best and we ought to want to do, we ought to want to do better. As a pastor, I, I ought to want to. You know, I, I should have a desire to be the best pastor that I can possibly be. I, I shouldn't get satisfied too easy. I, I, I always want to try to be better in my preaching and better at how I teach. And as a singer, you ought to always want to you know, be better in your singing and do whatever you can to improve because these things that we do, we do them, we're doing them for God. And we ought to want to do the best we can. There are some things that if somebody asked me to. To do it for them, I'd be kind of, I'd be embarrassed because I know I'm not skilled in those areas. I know I'm not I know I'm not very good at that. And when we're talking about doing things for God, boy, we ought to want to be able to do whatever needs to be done, and and we ought to want to be able to do a good job. And God used people like that. We read a bunch of verses there in Exodus 36. Two men, Bezalel and Aholiab. It says, And every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. These men were very skillful in what they did in working with wood and with metal. And Bezalel and Aholiab. Anybody, anybody know what they built? They built something that is very well known to this day. Because they were very skilled. And what they did, these were the guys that made the Ark of the Covenant. Think about that. Can you imagine? I mean, they don't get a lot of credit for it. You don't hear their names mentioned. But God used them. They were they were skillful in what they did. It's good to try to get better at things, whatever your talents are, whatever your gifts. You know, don't be so easily satisfied with them. We use these things for the work of God. And we ought to want to do a good job. Another area where we get real easy to satisfy, you notice these all start with S, is at our separation. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Listen, to get, you know, God saves the worst sinner that there is. God will, God will save, can save anybody. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been involved with, God can save you. But understand that after you get saved, that God has called us to be separate from the world. God has called us to be different from the world. And people these days are way too easily satisfied. I mean, they are, they are just like the world, but maybe because well, I don't cuss like the people I work with. I don't use the real bad words, only the kind of bad words. You satisfied with that? Listen, we ought to want we ought to want to be like Christ. We ought to want to be different. Well, you know, I I know we're not supposed to dress like the world, but I don't, you know, I don't have all the piercings. You know, I, I might got a few nose piercings and ear piercings and all, but I don't I don't have my ears stretched out or I don't have my lip pierced or eyebrow or anything like that. You satisfied with that? 
You think that's good enough? You know, I've only got one of my arms covered in tattoos instead of both. So I'm not as bad as other people. Listen, we're not supposed to be we're not supposed to be that easily satisfied. Well, remember, we're trying to be like him. He said, I will be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I mean, do you really expect that when you see Jesus someday, that he's going to be all pierced up and covered in tattoos? Truth is, he is going to have a few piercings in his hands and in his feet and in the side. But that's a reminder of our sin and what he did for us. And we ought to want to be, we ought to want to be separated. People are way too easily satisfied. I'm telling you, it's sad if some of the things that we see in the world today. I mean, I've you know, I remember I've seen some of these Christian music videos that are out. And I mean, you go to a Christian bookstore sometime, and you look at some of these Christian CDs, and you look at these creep shows that are on there. It's like you know, what's the difference between these people? And some of these crazy, whacked-out rock groups. What's the difference? They look just like them. And if you listen to the music, the music sounds just like it. Just the words are different. And a lot of times you can't even understand the words, so it doesn't really make a difference. We ought to be separate. We ought to be different. And we ought, uh, we're way too easily satisfied in that area. We talked about that a little bit this morning in Sunday school. I'm not saying that we got to be Amish. Okay? But at the same time... Uh, I don't think that's our problem in churches today that we're going overboard. I think the problem we're going overboard the wrong way. We ought to be want to be separated. The next, uh, we ought to be, uh, we're way too easily satisfied in our standards. Separation and standards are different. One way to explain the difference between the two is separation. That's things that we don't do. All right, we're being we're, we're being separated from the world, so we don't, you know we don't. We don't talk like they do. We don't act like they do. We don't, we don't do those things. But standards, those are things that we do. Things that we do on purpose. A standard. A flag is a standard. You know, we have the Olympics going on right now. and You see the country's flags. You see their standards. And that flag or that standard, it tells people who they are. They've got, you know, they'll have maybe things on their uniform or that they'll have that flag, they have that standard on there, and people look at that and they know that's an American. Can you imagine, uh, you know, if one of our Olympians went out there in uniform and he's wearing a Chinese flag? You know, that would make Americans mad, wouldn't it? How dare they do that? They're an American. They're there representing America, not China. And there would be a huge controversy. It would be that way for any other country. Maybe one of these smaller countries that never win any medals. If they got embarrassed, they're like, you know what? I'm putting an American flag on my uniform. I guarantee you their government would be all over their case and their people would hate them because, hey, we sent you there to represent our country, not to represent another country. You need to be bearing our standard. And as Christians, there are some standards that we ought to have that tell the world who we are and what we are, that they can look at us and it's obvious who we represent. And uh, you know, you can spot, you can spot the Amish, you can spot the Mormons. We saw the Mormons the other day out at the miniature golf course, and I told, and I told him, I said, I said, you know, how you can tell the difference between the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses is the Jehovah or the Mormons. They always have the name tags on these guys. They had the name tags and everything, and and uh, you know, there's. 
They have little things. I'm not saying we got to do goofy things like that. I'm not saying we got to wear name tags or wear some kind of crazy hat that says, you know, Baptist or whatever. I'm not saying that. But at the, uh, what I am saying though is there ought, there ought to be something that says we're different. Not something that says we're putting on a show. I'm not talking about putting on a show. I'm talking about really just being different. Dressing in a way that's, that's godly. That honors God. Uh, so we don't, I don't think we ought to have a uniform. I'm not talking about having like a, a certain, only a certain type of clothes that each person is supposed to wear. It would be just like if we were to go, if you had the opportunity to go to the White House and, you know, meet the President, you would probably, I would hope you would dress up out of respect to where you're at. If you were asked to represent, if you were asked to represent our country in an area like that, I mean, we would all be offended. We'd be upset. If the president, when he went out to do his State of the Union address, is wearing a pair of Bermuda shorts and a tank top. Like, hey, this is serious. This is State of the Union. You are our president. You represent our country. You are our leader. Why don't you look like it? We would, we'd have a big problem with that. And we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we ought, we ought to be fine with showing that. We ought to have, we ought to have standards. That doesn't mean you have to wear a suit and tie everywhere you go, but there ought to be. We ought to be different in some areas. John thirteen thirty four says, "A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another." That ought to be a standard in our life. Jesus said, "This is the commandment I give you, that ye love one another." And he's talking to Christians there. People, one of the things that is evidence and that helps people know that we are God's children is when we love each other as a church. Because you say, well, how is that showing love? Well, you're going to find out if you haven't found out already. When you have a church, especially as we, as we grow, we're going to have more and more people come in with more and more personalities. And the more personalities and people we get in here, you know, there's there's some personalities that just clash together, aren't there? There's some people that they're that you're just not going to have the right kind of chemistry with. But you know what? Because they are your brother and sister in Christ, you still love them. We still care for each other, and when the world sees that, they're going to know that hey, there is something different here. Look at the way they are with each other. Look at the way they love one another. Because in the world. If you don't like somebody, if they rub you the wrong way, or if they're you know you have that clash there, then you just go ahead and clash. You go ahead and not like that person. You go ahead and stay away from them. And Jesus said, "This is new commandment I give you. We're not doing the you know it's not the eye for an eye and the tooth for a tooth. We're loving one another." And He says, "By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples." John eight thirty one says, "Then Jesus said unto uh, to those Jews which believed on Him, if ye continue in my word." Then ye are my disciples indeed. Now, some people will take there's there's a bunch of other verses that I could have used along that line along those lines. But what Jesus is saying there is not saying, okay, if you want to be my disciple, you have to do all these things, otherwise you're disqualified or whatever. No, what he was saying is if you are one of my disciples, if you are saved, you will 
do certain things. It's just going to happen. That's what saved people do. Matthew 10.22 says, "...and ye shall be hated of all men for My name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved." Well, wait a minute. So that means if we don't endure to the end, that we're not going to be saved? Does that mean we can lose our salvation? No. What that verse is saying is he that endureth the end shall be saved for that person is saved. A person who is saved will be able to endure to the end. A person who is saved will keep His commandments. They will follow Him. We will. You will continue in His Word. That's what His followers do. That's what His disciples do. That's why the world's always testing us and why they're always trying to push your buttons. Because even though they don't know these verses, they know that there's going to be certain things in the life of a Christian and that's why they like to put you to the test. That's why they like to try to trip you up. Because they want to, they're trying to prove to themselves that there is not a God, that they're fine being sinners the way they are, that they don't need salvation. And if they can trip you up, if they can, if they can make you fall, and if they can get you to quit, then that tells them that yeah, they never really had it. That salvation message that they were giving me, those verse, they weren't true. Because look, they quote did all the things that you're supposed to do to get saved. They called in the name of the Lord, but look at them; they're not saved. But the Bible says that one that does the thing, they they are saved. And I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but there's going to be some things in your life that's going to be evidence to that. Jesus said, "Ye are the light of the world." A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The world's watching us. They're watching what we're doing. They're paying attention. And they know that there are certain things, there are certain standards that are going to be in the life of a Christian. Sometimes you have some morons out there that are going to say stupid things. That, you, know, that, uh, you know, I've had I've had people call before. You know, wanting money and stuff, and you know they'll say, you know, and he's like, well, you know, I'm I'm sorry, I can't help you. And they'll say, well, you know, Christians are supposed to, you know, help other people. Christians are supposed to, you know, give other people. You know, you're supposed to, you know, give to them that ask, and you're supposed to. It's like, you know, well. No, I don't have to do every little thing that people ask for. You know, they'll say, oh, you know, they'll do things to try to make you mad. If you get mad, and then you maybe in some way retaliate by maybe not doing something. Well, you know, Christians are never supposed to get angry, and Christians are, you know, they'll always put these impossible standards on us. You know, you have some of those goofballs, and yeah, I mean, so we're not supposed to get mad. We're not supposed to retaliate, but you know, sometimes we lose our temper a little bit. It doesn't mean we've lost our salvation. It doesn't mean we're not a Christian. But it, at the same time, there are some things that people recognize should be in the life of a Christian. And it ought to be our desire to have those in our life. And it ought to be our desire to add some of these things to our life. And we ought to be satisfied when we're like Christ. It's like, well, I'm good enough right now. Uh, I'm satisfied. I'm not going to worry about adding... I'm not going to add any extra good works. I I do enough good works. No, we always ought to want to do more. We ought to always have a desire to do more things to to get the Gospel out and to, to let people know 
who we are. We get way too easily satisfied with things. And if I could ever do anything as a pastor, one thing that I hope that I can do, and one thing I hope that we can do for each other, is to always challenge each other to do better. I hope, and I believe we will. I know the day is going to come where you know we fill this place up, and and I hope I hope we're not like all right. Well, place is full. We don't need to worry about trying to get anybody else. Listen, we ought to always want to do more. I'm not saying uh, you know don't be content with what we have, but it ought to always be desire for us to add and to build and and to do greater things for God. That ought to always be our desire. Well, you know we're, you know we we got enough outreach ministries. No, we always always want to be doing more. I'm not saying do more than we can handle. I'm not saying that, but it ought we ought to we ought to at least want to be doing it. We ought to want to be busy for God. We ought to want to be doing things and don't. Get too easily satisfied. So many churches today, and when churches get like this, it's only a matter of time before you know they're going to go out of business. The people they get satisfied with where they're at, and they get com- they get comfortable. And you know, maybe the, uh, I've known pastors they wanted to start bus routes in their church. Be like, man, we can't get all them wild kids coming into our church. They do. They're going to tear the building up, and that's going to be a big expense. Blah blah. So what? Those are souls that you're bringing to church. Those are kids that you can reach for Christ at a young age and save them from a life of who knows what. We ought to be fine with that. Oh, that's going to be extra cleanup. So what? That's fine. Listen, you know, King's kids and stuff, I mean, that downstairs, it gets messy all the time. The kids are always scuffing up that floor and it's a pain in the neck mopping that big floor down there. But you know what? I would rather, I'd rather do that. You know, I'm okay with that. When I see the mess that this place becomes sometimes, I'm okay with that. If it's because there was people here and not my kids just messing it up when we're around. But I'm fine with that. Hey, we'll do the work. And if we have, and the more people we have coming, the more we do as a church, the more work there's going to be. It's talking before church. Our electric bill was really high this last month. You know, running the air conditioners a lot. And that was just running them on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's like, well, we can't, we can't do any more around here because then we'll have to do it even more and our electric bill is going to go higher. Oh, well, we're doing something for God. It might cost us some money. It might be some extra work. And we ought to be okay with that. That ought to always be the desire. Don't be so easily satisfied in these areas. Be Psalm 17.50 ought to underline, ought to memorize it. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Imagine all of you probably looked in the mirror today, and if you were honest with yourself, if we're all honest right now, we'd say, you know what? We all got a long way to go. Let's not be satisfied with where right now. Let's do whatever we can to be a little more like Christ and keep doing that every day until that day comes when we're in his likeness. So let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.